The following is from the conference and U.S. support for Israeli apartheid. All conference information is available at www.israelapartheidcon.org. Thanks so much. Uh, as Grant mentioned, J Street wrapped up its conference this week, so we thought it was fitting to begin today's event with a reflection on that event. And for that, we are very uh, pleased and lucky to be joined by Philip Weiss, who is a co-editor of Mondo Weiss, a news website devoted to covering American foreign policy in the Middle East, chiefly from a progressive Jewish perspective. Phil watched most of the, or most or maybe all of the J Street Conference, and will now take a few moments, about 10, 15 minutes, I mean, or 15 or 20 minutes, to give us his thoughts on the event and what it means for the current status of liberal Zionism. So, Phil, we're happy to have you, and the platform is all yours. Great. <clears throat> thanks very much, Dale. Uh, and um, thanks to the uh, conference for having me. It's a wonderful conference I enjoyed last weekend, and uh, uh, that's a hard act to follow. Um, Susie Abahawa and Ian Williams and um, Brian Baird, among others, uh, and John Du. Very impressive. So my job today, I think I am talking about, I'm going to talk about a split within the Israel lobby between the right center, APAC, and the left center, which is J Street. And I am going to sort of uh, lay out what is significant about this split within the Jewish community. And that is really where I'm coming from here. Uh, I'm Jewish and I'm very interested in Jewish politics in the United States because I think they're so important in shaping foreign policy. Uh, I obviously, I think, um, you know, some of that's the elephant in the room and uh, it reminds me of the old joke about nine blind people with an elephant, uh, trying to figure out what an elephant is. And I, I, I think some of that mystification and, uh, Confusion exists around the Israel lobby and foreign policy. And even in our communities, you'll have um, a certain analysis of, is it a military industrial complex that's driving material interest, imperialism that's driving our policy in the Middle East? Is it settler colonialism? Uh, is it uh, geopolitical strategy versus uh, China and uh, Russia? And then what is the role of the Israel lobby? And that's really my focus is is fairly narrow on the tail of the elephant here, and that is um, uh, not the evangelical Christian lobby, which is a significant part of the Israel lobby, but the Jewish part and uh, Jewish politics. And so uh, it's very, uh, J Street is now, uh, represents that kind of left wing of the Israel lobby. Uh, They are, as Grant pointed out, strongly supportive of American support to Israel they want to maintain a Jewish state in uh, the Middle East. Uh, and they want a two-state solution to preserve that Jewish state, and they are going to lobby Congress to do so. And I think that um, they have been fairly successful in establishing themselves as an access organization. That's ultimately what a lobby is, is uh, cares about access. It wants to get access in Washington. And uh, J Street has had a, uh, over the last 13, 14 years of its existence, 13 years, has had a pretty smooth and strong flight path towards uh, greater and greater influence to the point that it can claim that uh, most of the Democratic majority in Congress was endorsed by J Street. 
and the White House, the occupants of the White House, uh, Biden and Harris, were also endorsed by J Street. So that type of endorsement success and presumably donors, because money is at the heart of the Israel lobby, that should equate to a certain amount of access and influence on J Street's part. Uh, I think the, the the jury's still out on that, how much influence it has, and uh, but it, it is gaining influence. And the question is, what are its goals? And will it be able to maintain those goals uh, in the face of strong headwinds from the left, uh, including uh, events like this conference, which focus on apartheid. And I thought that it was kind of interesting that there was, at the J Street conference, there was even a certain nostalgia for the Trump era. Uh, they had a whole video about all these things that had happened under Trump and all the things we did to mil- uh, mobilize against Trump. And Personally, you know, I, he's the last guy. I, 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 I saw enough of that guy when he was in the White House. I don't want to see him again. And uh, it's painful to watch that kind of stuff. But it speaks to the fact that when Trump was in the White House, J Street could unify, could say, we're unified on the left. Uh, we're trying to get Trump out. We have, uh, let's all pull together on this goal. Uh we're against, um, uh, we're a social justice organization and we're involved with the uh, progressive left and uh, in the sort of more moderate uh, elements of the foreign policy community that we just want to get Trump out. And now that uh, Trump is out, uh, and J Street was also able to say, hey, everything you want to do in Israel, get rid of this, to get rid of Netanyahu, and we're just trying to do that in the United States. We're trying to get rid of our Netanyahu, Donald Trump. And uh, now that um, Donald Trump is gone, it sort of pulls the rug out from under their messaging, J Street's messaging, in that the left is now saying, yeah, you got rid of uh, Trump, but there's a lot more work to be done in this country. J Street says, yeah, and but you haven't gotten rid of your Trump in Israel. And in fact, your Trump in Israel seems to be even more cemented in power than ever, whether that's Netanyahu or the right. Israel is an overwhelming, overwhelmingly right-wing country. The latest elections just go to show that uh, uh, close to 80 out of 120 members of the Knesset, two-thirds of the Knesset is right-wing and right-wing Jewish. And so uh, there have been four elections in Israel. You haven't changed that at all, J Street. That that is that country is right wing, and increasingly elements of the progressive left in the United States and uh, the think tank uh, foreign policy community, uh, the quote unquote blob in Washington, increasingly they are getting impatient. I think with uh, well, certainly the left has is really impatient with Israel, and. Uh, elements of the foreign policy establishment are as well. And Zaha Hassan will talk to you later about uh, a really important um, paper from Carnegie about this, where the uh, uh, sort of foreign policy establishment is is saying, we don't don't care about a two-state solution. We don't care about a Jewish state even. We just want rights for Palestinians. So uh, I think that the first pressure, J Street is under pressure from the left, 
and it's under pressure from the right. And I want to describe those two pressures and where they end up and where I, what I think will develop from that. So I'm talking about a sort of fracture within the Jewish community and within the Israel lobby itself. The pressure from the left is, uh, as I've just described, is from progressives in this country who are expecting a lot more uh, of our country uh, as a, in social justice issues. And of course, in Israel and Palestine, where there's apartheid. And this is a community that largely supports BDS, uh, boycotts, divestment, sanctions, active measures to nonviolent measures to put Israel, to pressure Israel to change, and that supports the International Criminal Court uh, investigation that uh, a potential prosecution of Israel and Palestine that began in February, and that supports um, these findings of apartheid. B'Tselem uh, issued an this, this finding of apartheid that Grant mentioned. And these are all things that the left emphasizes that J Street can't talk about. It can't talk about the International Criminal Court. It can't talk about apartheid. Uh, the only references to apartheid during the whole conference were from Mahmoud Abbas, uh, the Palestinian president, and um, also breaking the silence, uh, an Israeli organization. But J Street itself, just talked about deepening occupation and creeping annexation. That's its way of describing the apartheid process. It can't go there. It has to sort of cut the left wing discussion out. It's too threatening to a core value of J Street, which is support for a Jewish state. And the BDS um, campaign, the International Criminal Court prosecution and the apartheid discourse all of these elements uh, potentially threaten, or I think do threaten uh, the existence of a Jewish state because uh, they make it clear that uh, there's a clear understanding that the uh, Israel's character as a Jewish state is uh, preventing it from uh, granting anything like equal uh, status to Palestinians. And in fact, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a horrifying situation as was made clear uh, two nights ago by uh, this mob uh, marching through Jerusalem, uh, calling for uh, saying death to Arabs, a Jewish mob of Jewish supremacists, openly Jewish supremacist organization walking into East, marching into East Jerusalem, into East Jerusalem, attacking Palestinian houses, uh, calling for the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians. And this is that faction is now in the Israeli uh, Knesset. It had previously been banned from the Knesset and now it's part of the Israeli Knesset in this religious Zionism party, which won six seats in the March election. So J Street faces this pressure from the left to say something about this, and it's not able to really say something about that. Uh, it, it talks about just deepening occupation. Now, at its conference, and I don't know if uh, Grant can cue this video, J Street did um, uh have a number of videos of uh, extremely disturbing events on the West Bank. And one of them is this video you're about to see from Jalud near Nablus, where you see these settlers uh, coming down and throwing rocks at this Palestinian farmer. I mean, it's just a horrifying video. Look at, I mean, it's just, I, I have to turn away. I've seen this a couple of times. It's so upsetting. And the, the thing that is the most upsetting about this is that nothing is happening about this. Not, nothing is happening to stop this.
Israel has complete impunity on this behavior. And J Street, to its credit, uh, aired this video and others at its conference. Michael Sfard, a wonderful human rights attorney, uh, aired these videos. And uh, what the, when the left sees this, and when I, I think dispassionate foreign policy observers see this video, what they see is apartheid. This is plainly apartheid, in as much as the soldiers are on the settler's side. This is an occupied territory. And yet J Street is unable to uh, contend with this. On the other side, J Street arose in opposition to the center-right Israel lobby. And uh, J Street does represent a very important break uh, inside the Jewish community. And I think this is something that I, I don't want to diminish. Uh, the, the Jewish politics of this are very important. If you think that the uh, Jewish foreign policy community and the lobby supported um, the Iraq war in 2003, and uh, faced a lot of political heat for that subsequently, J Street has arisen against that, has arisen, uh, that, that, that strain uh, in uh, the foreign policy establishment that does everything, uh, has the United States acting on behalf of Israel, J Street has taken some strong stands against uh, that sort of trend, notably in its support for the Iran deal, which has been fantastic. And I don't know that we would have had an Iran deal in 2015, I don't know that the momentum would exist now to restore the Iran deal were it not for a portion of the liberal Zionist community, J Street, Americans for Peace now saying, yes, get back into the, the Iran deal. So J Street um, has taken on, out of principle, has taken on the right wing uh, Jewish pro-Israel lobby on very important issues. Uh, like uh, the the Iran deal, and um, and even this week, uh, J Street marked its independence by supporting a um, Betty McCollum's historic legislation. The Minnesota Congresswoman uh, St. Paul, my I used to live in her district, uh, for that would prohibit um, uh, USAID going to house demolitions and detaining Palestinian children. This is a historic moment in advancing pro-Palestinian legislation. And J Street signed on. It's a wonderful thing that they signed on. Uh, lots of civil society organizations across the United States signed on. On the left and the center, it's, it's great that they all signed on. But within Jewish politics, J Street signed on to this bill that uh, APAC, the right-wing lobby, hates and that has only gotten 15 sponsors in the House. And uh, APAC, meanwhile, has gotten 330 Congress people to say, never uh, limit US aid to Israel. We must keep the aid flowing. So in this respect, I think J Street has taken a very important stance and should be celebrated for it. But, uh, and, and it's threatening its own access game by doing so. It, it alienates itself from the center Israel lobby. And ultimately, J Street is in an access game. It's trying to get access to foreign policy leaders. And it's doing so through the old chemistry of um, joining up with other powerful Jewish organizations and using donor money, uh, just what Brian Baird talked about last week. And it has, uh, it has split the lobby on this question of uh, sort of unfettered military aid to Israel. And it said, no, there have to be some limits. I don't, 
At the same time, though, the left discussion is outpacing J Street. So it's balanced between trying to stay in access organization and trying to stay in good odor with uh, the, the centrist Israel lobby and with the Jewish community. And by doing so, uh, it says explicitly, we don't want anything to do with the Phil Weisses of the Jewish community. Uh, Jeremy Benami, the head of J Street, says this directly to me. Uh, we, you're an anti-Zionist. We don't want you in our community. Okay, that they get to define their community how they like. But the left, I think, is turning increasingly towards anti-Zionism. And uh, that's because that video you just saw is a manifestation, ultimately, of Zionism. I think that is a, an understanding that has just grown on the left, uh, is now uh, firmly established. Uh, you can hear it in during this. The great thing about this conference is that you're going to hear this type of analysis from you know, me, parochial me inside the left-wing Jewish community. And uh, you'll hear from uh, foreign policy realists. You'll hear it from uh, anti-settler colonialist, uh, anti-settler colonial left-wing internationalist uh, understanding. So this is a very broad understanding that Zionism is the problem. And that an uh, ideology of Jewish nationalism is what, Produced that video you just saw. Uh, that that it has um, uh, Jewish nationalism has not worked out. Uh, it's just created more and more ethnic cleansing, and uh, what I think will be more and more apartheid fi- apartheid findings. And that is ultimately the pressure on J Street. And I think that it will ultimately. I don't know how soon, but these things, as we've seen with the uh, uh, racial injustice demonstrations in the United States and other political movements from the left for same-sex marriage in the United States. These things happen very swiftly when they happen, and J Street is aware of that and is trying to position itself carefully. But I think ultimately uh, the thought I would conclude with is that J Street is is more vulnerable to the left than it is to the right because the left (laughs) is developing and the left center and the non-Jewish progressive movement is developing a strong impatience with Zionism and a clear understanding that Zionism is the problem. So thank you, Dale. And uh, if there are any questions, happy to take them. And I hope I didn't uh, go over my time limit. I really uh, don't want to wear out my welcome here. No, thank you so much. That was great. And it it kind of really helped me digest what I watched earlier this week uh, as well. I want to go back to something you said about the jury still being out on how influential they really are. Because, uh, yeah, you know, you, like you said, you watch this conference and there's a, a range of views. Basically, as long as, you know, you're not the squad on the left or like Ted Deutsch on the right, well, you know, the liberal right, you know, you're allowed to speak at the conference. And that results in a range of views. And you mentioned that the McCollum bill, while endorsed by J Street, only has 15 co-sponsors. And a lot of J Street speakers in Congress actually signed a recent APAC letter against conditioning aid to Israel. So kind of how do you see J Street's ability these days to actually kind of move ideas and policy in Congress? Well, I mean, just the big picture I'd point out is that, you know, 10 years ago, to their credit, I mean, not credit, not on principle, but just in terms of power politics, which Dale, your question, to their credit, they were an outsider organization 10, 12 years ago. Uh, 
the Jewish community, many in the Jewish community used hideous, you know, Nazi phrase, you know, you're like helping the Nazi, you know, they were, they, they castigated uh, and ostracized J Street. Um, I'm not even talking about me being, you know, the anti-Zionist Jewish community has been uh, ostracized clearly, but J Street, uh, you know, at that time had trouble getting arrested in Washington. And now Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are speaking at their conference. So they have managed to get inside. Now, part of that is Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi know that the left is the where the all the action is now in the Democratic Party. That's the the base is is very progressive and wants uh, a lot of you know uh, social justice reforms. And so they think J Street is one place they can get that. So I think that nonetheless it is as you say a balancing act and it's full of contra. It's like other politics, any political organ, any political conference that has four thousand people or however many. You're going to have a lot of contradictions, but I think ultimately the central contradiction is going to be between, and and hopefully this will play out in the Congress. Uh, I think Zaha Hassan will address this: the degree to which the Democratic base is ahead is way out in front of our politics, and so you have people at J Street saying again and again, "We're for a Jewish state," and you know. The left's not talking about that. And I think that, yes, the Democratic Party is reflecting, is even to the right of J Street, but wow, I've rambled. I don't know if that answers your questions. I think that it's very fluid and there's a lot of contradictions. Great. Uh, maybe now we can go, uh, Julia, I see some questions pouring in here out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> yeah, so, there, uh, maybe... there are quite a few. Um, wow. Yeah, one of the- I gotta uh, run. <laughs> Um, one of the questions is uh, regarding the J Street conference and Peter Beinhardt's appearance there. Um, so how does he relate to J Street now? He's he's moved a bit left of them. How was he received um, when he was there? You know, um, I, it's a great question. And I think we should, we need to, uh, uh, um, this is again, part of J Street's balancing act. Peter Beinhardt is this very, um, uh, uh, respected Jewish intellectual who has been not ostracized from the Jewish community and who has come out, excuse me, in the last year for one state in Israel and Palestine. He's accepted the reality. Israel is never going to disgorge these occupied territories. And so let's have one democratic state. Everyone has equal rights. How hard is that to figure out? Uh, he has not come out for BDS. He's not come out against Zionism as such. I mean, there are certain ways that he has not satisfied a, the left wing demands on pressure on him. But he's been very, uh, I think he's done wonderful work in terms of moving the Jewish community and moving the discussion generally. Your question, and so he was at J Street. The funny thing about Peter Beiner being at J Street is they didn't ask him about, that wasn't, he was there to discuss anti-Semitism, a different subject. He wasn't there they weren't putting him on a platform to say, hey, Peter, why are you for one state? Um, similarly, Michael Svard, the Israeli human rights attorney, has, has described Israel as an apartheid state in the last few months. They had Michael Svard on, but Michael talked about deepening occupation. So they were very careful to take these figures. I, I felt J Street was being very careful about taking these left-wing figures who have real standing on the left and... Um, and, and justifiably, they've spent 
uh, some political capital to support uh, human rights and human freedom, all that the left is, all that any of us really uh, who in democracy want to stand for. It took these figures who are pro-democratic and sort of had them discuss subjects a little off their area. So I think J Street is made extremely uncomfortable by the the democracy discourse. And again, that's all we're talking about is, hey, can you have a democracy? You had 12 million people there under your control. Half of them can't vote. Uh, Another third of them or whatever, 20% or 10%, second-class citizens. Let's have a democracy on an ethnic basis. That's why they're calling it apartheid. And the, another question is then, um, so does J Street at all deal with the three specific uh, BDS demands? Uh, do they even acknowledge the, those three separate demands or they just vilify BDS the other way, the way that other Zionist organizations do? J Street vilifies BDS. Uh, we need to be very clear about that, uh, that J Street has supported legislation uh, that went through that describes BDS as an anti-Semit as, as containing elements of anti-Semitism. So essentially BDS is anti-Semitic. Uh, well, you have a right to support BDS. They also say the free speech thing. So J Street has vilified BDS. I think that if you were to ask J Street about the three specific demands, they would say that, um, yes, we're against the occupation. Uh, we would support boycott. We don't actually uh, have a campaign on this grounds, but we would support boycott aimed only at the occupied territories, as if somehow the occupied territories are distinct from Israel uh, now, uh, after 53 years with nearly 700,000 Israeli Jews living there uh, and being part and parcel of the Israeli state. So we don't mind your plank BDS with respect to the occupied territories. Your plank about equal rights for Palestinians inside Israel, well, Israel's a democracy and these people vote and yeah, we're against the nation state law and other things that uh, uh, derogate Palestinian citizenship, but we wouldn't boycott Israel on that basis. And as to the right of return, uh, we want a right of return to the Palestinian state under the two-state solution. All these refugees can come back to uh, this small portion of the land that would go to a Palestinian state. We don't want them coming back to Israel, uh, per se. So I think they're very much against the right of return of refugees. And even their imagined uh, right that they give refugees to return to a Palestinian state, well, there's, it's taken, it's been 73 years or whatever since uh, the UN voted to partition and uh, create a Palestinian state. They should, hasn't there's never been a Palestinian state in 75 years there's not going to be one uh in another 75 I don't know where these refugees are supposed to go great I mean that's it's a, a tough tough question um another question here about the um wondering what has been the effect of the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement on J Street's perception of apartheid or if anything on affecting J Street it's a great question. It's a beautiful question. I mean, I think it's fantastic. Uh, again, I think Zaha can speak to this a little bit because uh, the Carnegie report that she's involved with, uh, uh, some of the discussion addresses that very issue, that this is creating uh, the uh, structural in- uh, 
racism in the United States, any focus on that is just speeding uh, and, and enabling a discussion of uh, the racism that we are supporting in Israel and Palestine. And so I think it's had a very beneficial effect. And obviously there are elements of the uh, uh, movement for black lives that created uh, a lot of this, uh, these protests. There's an element of that organization that is very strongly supportive of um, Palestinian rights. And it was, has been part of the uh, platform of the movement for black lives. I think they've waffled a little on their Palestinian support, but Clearly, I mean, someone like uh, Mark Lamont Hill, a great leader on that side of uh, in in that movement, uh, has embraced Palestinian rights uh, nobly and has uh, lost his job at CNN over it. And I think that um, that has been has played a very big part in all this. And I think that's something that terrifies J Street is J Street is aligned with the Jewish social justice tradition, which is firmly on the side of Black Lives Matter and on the side of uh, scrutiny of um, uh, civil rights and racism in the United States, J Street is right in the head of that parade and it's afraid it's about to go to Israel and Palestine, which it will. So one- I hope I'm not going on too long in my- No, 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 I was just gonna ask if we have time for one more question. Great. So how effective is J Street going to be in navigating this smaller and smaller space between the left and the right when they're dealing with Congress or their membership? You know, I'm uh, everything I predict is always wrong. So uh, I want to say that they won't be successful. So that means that they will be successful. I think that's the correct. Anyway. No, I guess I'd say that um, J Street has been very, they've been nimble and effective at getting as far as they have. I can't, uh, they they want access. They want to play the power game in Washington. They've done pretty good. I think they have really done pretty good. And, they, and they've sold out principles that I care about in doing so. But they've gotten what they've wanted, more and more access. So while I want to believe that they're going to be crushed between the right and the left and uh, the the left is ultimately going to overwhelm them and they're going to have to come out against a Jewish state, I'm afraid that they're going to be around for a while and that they will have uh, exercised uh, a considerable influence. Um, I mean, the great thing is that they're supporting the Iran deal. And so that's there's a great incremental role that they play. And I look forward to their playing that role. I think that they are gonna be, the the problem is again, that they are gonna be just as bad as Netanyahu uh, on certain things, which is the right of Jews to have a nation in land that was populated by non-Jews. And that's one where at their conference, I should have emphasized this, Isaac Herzog, a left-wing leader in Israel, expresses the most right-wing ideas. And those are Zionism. And J Street is a Zionist organization. So this crisis of Zionism that I want to create, that uh, people on the left want to create, I don't know that uh, it's going to, I think J Street is going to be able to dance around that for as long as possible. And given that they are at the forefront of change in the Congress right now, supporting a legislation only 15 Congress people support, they are still looking pretty good on the left. But uh, 
So I hope that answers that question. I have one more question, if we have time. One more. Um, so this goes to kind of looking at some of the, the racism that's part of that Zionist ideology and wondering, you know, at J Street, did anybody discuss the inequity of the vaccine rollout uh, in Israel versus Palestinian territories? Because all we hear about is how great Israel is doing with that, but not really hearing or reading anything about what's happening in the Palestinian territories or with the Palestinian citizens of Israel. Uh, Julie, I'm sorry that I, I told Dale that I had sat through the entire J Street conference, which is true. I was online all last weekend. I was sitting here doing my hard work. The, 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 the many stations of the, uh, of the progress of J Street. I didn't hear that one. I did not hear that as a concern. So I think I think they would have I think they've made good statements on that issue, actually. So I don't want to uh, castigate them in an unfair way. But I didn't hear any talk about that. I did, as I say, hear a lot of references to the Jewish state and the importance of the Jews having self-determination in their own land. And just to conclude, to conclude, these are statements that you know, Netanyahu makes, and that you heard speakers at J Street saying, finally, historically, Jews have the right, sovereign right to determine our own fate and our own land. And left-wing, left-wingers in Israel will say this, quote-unquote left-wingers, because that is Zionism. And so that, that, that's the ultimate uh, dilemma, I think, to, to repeat myself ad, ad nauseum. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, so thank you very much, Phil. If, if you haven't seen uh, this great post uh, by Philip Weiss, J Street's Magical Thinking, you really need to check that out. But now we are going to move along. <laughs>